You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. And welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield, here in the midweek this week. State losing two nights ago on Tuesday night down in Pearl in the Governor's Cup, 5-2 to two to Ole Miss. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. And, uh, Charlie, hey, looking back at Tuesday night, just one of those games, man, where we just couldn't get that big hit. No, we absolutely couldn't. And to – be truthful, neither team did a great job of getting big hits for most of the ball game, And beyond that, neither team had a ton of opportunity to get a lot of big hits. We just didn't do a good job getting on base. We only had four hits in the baseball game. Ole Miss, you know, by contrast, only had seven. A lot of those came there in that fifth inning where things got away from us a little bit. But, uh, hey, if you got to split a series on the season and only get two out of four, Give me two on the weekend. Yeah, those are the ones that count. Now, of course, Tuesday night counts as far as RPI. We're going to do things a little bit different this week. Normally, we have some interviews for you during the middle of the week. We thought this week what we do is we kind of look back at the game on Tuesday and uh, kind of get you up to date where we are as a team right now. And then we'll come back in the second segment today, and we'll kind of talk about where we are with four weekends to go in SEC play and kind of get you ready for this coming weekend, Mississippi State on the road at Missouri. So let's look back at that game on uh, Tuesday night. And, Charlie, we won't go through the play-by-play or anything like that. Ole Miss comes out early on. Mikey Tepper drew the start and able to play a couple runs in the first inning. We were able to get the two runs back in the bottom of the first. I thought after that first inning, Mikey Tepper kind of showed you what he could be for you down the stretch run. And once you get past wins and losses in this ball game, isn't that really where we are as a baseball team right now? And not to peek too far ahead into the discussions we'll have in a minute, but look, somebody somewhere on this roster has got to give Mississippi State some innings on the mound. And was Tepper brilliant? No. But once you got past that first inning, like you said, he was pretty good. You know, only two earned runs allowed. Still like to see the walk number come down. He walked three, but he struck out four. And the thing that we've said about Tepper for a year now is the guy has a lot of stuff. He's got a really good arm. He can run it up there. The key is just getting it all in line. And to some degree – it almost felt like Tepper just has to pitch through it a little bit. And so what you hope you take from that is maybe in that first inning you saw kind of some opening jitters. Look, you also saw a really good offensive lineup, particularly at the top of that order. But after that, he was pretty good. And I think if you get past the wins and losses, that gives you something to take from that ball game. Charlie, what do you think is more important? You see what Mikey Tepper did in four innings of work, gave up the two runs, two hits, he had the four strikeouts. and the th- That was the only walks we had all night as a pitching staff, 14 strikeouts and just three walks. But let me ask you this question. Do you think it was bigger Tuesday night of what you saw out of Mikey Tepper 
or what you saw out of Cam Tuller coming in late in that game? We have not seen that version of Cam Tuller this year, have we? And I think it lines up a little bit with what our coaching staff thought they would see this year. Three and two-thirds, eight strikeouts, only one hit, didn't walk anybody. You look again for positives. If that's the Cam Tuller we're going to get, sign me up. Eight of the 11 outs he records are strikeouts. And again, not walking anybody. That's the thing. You know, we got into that ball game on Sunday up at Ole Miss, or on Saturday, rather, at Ole Miss. And you were just kind of saying, who can throw? I mean, you're going to have to go back to guys because you didn't have a lot of trust for guys in your bullpen. If Cam Tuller is going to get innings, he's got to earn trust. I thought that ball game goes a long way to Cam Tuller earning some of that trust. Charlie, looking at Cam Tuller in this game, and you look at what we've talked about all season long about his inability to get right-handed hitters out. He came into that situation, got a lefty out, and then we left him in there. And it was one of those deals, too, of you kind of know in the back of your mind if you're Cam Tuller, you're going to be in there for a while in the game on Wednesday, on Tuesday. We had to burn some guys on Tuesday night and burn up some innings Tuesday night just to get to this weekend because we threw so many guys this past weekend against Ole Miss. Cam Tuller getting right-handed hitters out, and we talked so many times he's been hit so hard by the righties, but he's been behind the righties. He's been 2-0. He's been 2-1. He's been 3-1, and they're just looking for something. He couldn't use a breaking ball at all against right-handed pitching. And then the other night he was ahead of everybody. I thought that was the big thing. He was ahead of everybody. And then it kind of you know transferred in. I'm not going to sit here and say he's Chad Girado because Chad had a special year in 2013. But there was also a situation that occurred in that 2013 season against Alabama where Chad got a right-handed hitter out in a big situation, and it was almost like the light bulb finally came on of, hey, I can get right-handed hitters out. And to me, it's not about Mississippi State. It's not about our fans. I thought Tuesday night was big for uh, for Cam Tuller to see that, hey, I can do this. It's funny you bring up the Chad Gerardo moment because, in fact, I was going to raise that very moment with you. But the idea was we got him in there for a lefty and then, hey, let's just see what happens. And all of a sudden it worked. And for Cam Tuller, I think the key is exactly what you just said, though, and that is getting ahead. Pitching ahead, and we had this discussion, and I think you mentioned maybe even hearing David DeLucci talk about this not too long ago, the idea that when we start to thinking about balls and strikes or can you throw strikes, we always want to go look at the walk column and say, well, he's not walking a lot of guys, so he must not be struggling with command. But what you miss in that is the guy that goes 2-0 and he gets a fastball down the middle and gets a hit. So that's a case where – just looking at walks and strikeouts, it doesn't show up on your record. I thought that's the big thing with Cam Teller. It's why righties have just been so good against him this year is because he keeps getting himself in spots where it's just tough to get out of. But you you go and you look when he came in the ball game. Um, he got behind Harris, the first guy he faced. He got behind him. He went two balls. Then he goes – 0-2 on Alderman, and then just continues all the way through getting ahead and throwing strike one. 
All right, before we flip to the offensive side, I'd like to remind you we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi. I talked to my Farm Bureau agent just this morning, and the great customer service, home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for, they can handle your needs at Farm Bureau. Charlie, looking on the offensive side, of course, two runs on four hits in the game. The thing that stood out to me against Ole Miss on Tuesday is we had 13 flyouts and just five groundouts. And that ballpark at Trustmark is really not the ballpark you want to go into and say we're going to lift a lot of balls in the outfield. Very different, wasn't it, than this past weekend? How many balls in the ball game on Tuesday are home runs in either of our ballparks? Or I guess more to the point in a closer frame of reference – or home runs in the ball games that were just played this past weekend. What, four? You think three, four? How many do you think? At least three, maybe four. Which is the difference in a win or a loss. So then it goes back to you've got all sorts of questions. Well, does our game, does our style of play not fit well with that stadium? Does that not then translate well to whatever they're calling it now? It's still TD Ameritrade to me. I don't know that I would go that far. I don't think you can draw those comparisons. Sometimes you hit a ball pretty well, and the ballpark just holds it. I thought that's what we saw this past weekend. Well, hey, State loses 5-2 to two against the Ole Miss. When we come back, let's take a look at some numbers of how State has gotten to this point of the season. Let's look at some offensive numbers. I put together some hits and some runs and kind of comparisons of years, past couple of years, to look at Mississippi State offensively. And once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau go with the home team. Also, our good friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus with four locations, three in the state of Mississippi. You've got Startwell in Columbus, Hickory, Summit, Mississippi, then Alexandria, Louisiana. Saney Equipment, the excavators and mini excavators. You've got the Barco Equipment for the Foresters. And now the Massey Ferguson Equipment, the Massey Ferguson Tractors and Implements at Tracks Plus. Back with more on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're talking about Mississippi State baseball. So let's look back at how the season has gotten going offensively. Before we do that, let's thank our great friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, made right here in the state of Mississippi. Country Meat Packers. You just can't go wrong with any of the Country Pleasing Sausage. And so we always have it at my house. Charlie always has it at his house. You can get it at the ballparks if you're coming to the ballpark. We've only got a few home games left this season, and you can get that great country-pleasing sausage at all Mississippi State sporting events. Charlie, looking back, I was just kind of thinking back to it just seems like there have been several games this season where we've had our troubles offensively. And I got to thinking about the few hits we had in the game. We had just four hits in the game. And I just picked a number. I picked the number seven hits. It's fewer than a hit per inning. And I just wanted to go back and see kind of where we're charting over the last three seasons. In 2000, I didn't count 2020 because it was a slow season or short season. In 2019, we had 13 games with seven or fewer hits. That was 19% of our games in 2019. Last year in 2021, we had 26 games where we had seven or fewer hits. It kind of it doesn't seem like that many, 
but we had a bunch last year, which was 38% of our games. This year, 15 times, we've had seven or fewer hits, which is 36% of the time. So actually, last year, we had more of a, we had a higher percentage of games where we had seven or fewer hits in a game. Does that surprise you? No, not terribly. I think part of our view of last year is defined by what we remember in Omaha. But there were many days that you and I sat here early in the year saying, man, I'm not sure this team can hit. There were plenty of days where we were frustrated about what was going on in the baseball field, even late into the season when this week's opponent came into town. And we were saying, man, we can't hit these guys. And we had Albright and all these guys who history will forever remember as having five and a half ERAs who we remember for shutting us down. So, no, I don't know. I actually, as crazy as it sounds, I don't think our offense is as big a difference in our success or failure right now, the four-hit game notwithstanding, as it is what we are seeing on the mound. And to be more precise, just walking guys. I guarantee you our percentage of batters faced who have reached by walk is way higher this year than it's been in the past decade. No, no doubt. But I did find a stat that was a little different, which does kind of make you think a little bit. Okay, runs per game, right? I figured, okay, we scored two the other night. Let's factor in how many games in the last three years we've scored two or fewer runs. 2019, in 67 games, we had nine games where we had two or fewer runs. 2021, okay, we're not counting 2020 again. 2021, last year, in 68 games, nine times, we had two or fewer runs in a game. Both of those, 13% of your games, you're scoring two or fewer runs. This year, 2022, we've played 42 games. 11 times, we've had two or fewer runs. So 26% of our games this year, we've had two or fewer runs. Now, the hits are exactly the same. You start lining up the hits per game, but the runs per game is down, and it's kind of just what we've talked about, Charlie. We've been able to space out some hitting. The hits really haven't been a whole lot of difference, but we haven't been able to piece things together to drive in runs. All right, so that part doesn't surprise me as much. In your first set of numbers, you were asking about, am I surprised by the lack of hits? I think the biggest difference this year, in my mind, is not the lack of hits, it's the lack of doing anything to put people in position to take advantage of the hits. What did Mississippi State do better than anybody in the country last year? Certainly anybody in the SEC. They got runners home from third base with less than two outs. How did they get runners to third base with less than two outs? They took advantage of walks, and then they advanced runners without a hit. We led the league last year in advancing runners without And so what that meant is we had a lot of productive outs. We had a lot of guys who got a walk, stole second. We got a ground ball to the right side, moved them to third, fly ball to the outfield, scored them. That was our thing. We put the ball in play last year. We didn't strike out. This year, strikeouts are up. And for whatever reason, I just don't feel like we're doing a good job getting guys on base, getting them around to third, and having them in a position to score even without the benefit of the hit like we did last year. So if you want to say to some degree it's the little things, I don't know that it's so much our hitting as it is in terms of getting hits. It's kind of the little things that we're not doing as well in my estimation. 
All right, Charlie, where do we go from here? We got five we got four weekends left in SEC play. And so now what's the biggest surprise for you? Is it not being able to find an everyday center fielder or is it not being able to find an everyday shortstop? What to you is the biggest surprise? Center field. And I think what surprises me most about it is the number of guys that we've run through the turnstile out there. I mean, it's been a revolving door out there in center field. And I'm a little bit surprised, even recognizing that Chris Lamonis is the guy that we talk about all the time as being willing to push buttons. I'm a little surprised that we haven't landed on somebody. And I'm a little surprised, and this is one of those things, there is a reason for it. I just don't know what it is, and I'd love to have the discussion one day. Why has Jess Davis kind of come and gone? Why hasn't he been more of a fixture? And it's kind of a weird thing where you see guys – all of a sudden they're playing five or six days, and then you don't see them for a week and a half. And I can't believe that it's just a matchup issue. But I thought overall, and again, I know Jess Davis isn't exactly you know, going to strike fear in the hearts of opponents at the plate. I know he's not going to be the focus of any pregame meeting and scouting report, but he's hitting 273. And you look at the other – Guys that you've given a chance out there, Quarter and Skinner, both hitting under 200. You know, Cam James, and you understand why you've tried to play him there. But I think for me, the biggest question, the biggest thing that I would just love to have answered is, well, what's up with Jess Davis? Why, why is a guy playing center field who's got good speed, who's played decent defense other than the fly ball that people like to complain about that got kind of lost up in the sky – why has he only played 25 games? Why has he only started 12? That's the thing I would be curious. The last few times we've seen Jess Davis, you know, you got you got to think back to when we saw him early in the year. We were almost trying to find not only a center fielder, but we were also trying to find a leadoff hitter. And it was almost like we were trying to have our cake and eat it too. We're looking for somebody in the outfield, not only to play outfield, but also somebody to bat leadoff. And you kind of wonder, the last couple of times you've seen him, he's been down in the order. And does that make him a little bit more comfortable, get a little bit better pitching when he's batting seventh, eighth in the order instead of that leadoff spot? I think there's something to that. And you look, again, the average necessarily hasn't been great, but he's got hits in three straight ball games that he's played against Ole Miss. He's gotten on base. He actually has a double in one of those hits. So in a ball game where he only had four hits the other day, he had one of them. So the guy's he's getting on base, I've, and he's playing a, a competent outfield. So I just have to wonder if, having seen him now three games in a row against SEC competition, if we don't see him all weekend in Columbia. And not to pick on Tanner Leggett at all, he started the game on, on Tuesday at shortstop. He went 0 for 2, a couple strikeouts. He did draw a walk in that game. And, of course, you kind of know what you're trying to do there. You're trying to get Forsyth in pitching. It looked like we were going to pitch Forsyth, no doubt, because he, he didn't take place, uh, did not take part of batting practice. And then Leggett draws a start at short. Let me ask you this question, because this has been talked about. So let's look back a little bit more at that game on Tuesday night against Ole Miss. To me, when Forsyth coming in, he's pitched okay the previous two times. Not great, not terrible. It was almost like, you know, this may be the chance to throw him out on the mound just to see what he can do against an SE style of offense. Am, am I reading too much into that to just say, hey, this is if there's going to be a trial by fire against the big boys, Tuesday night was probably your only opportunity? 
Yeah, I think it is your only opportunity because every other SEC game from here counts. And in terms of counts, I mean, counts towards getting to Hoover and that conference record that everybody looks at. Now, that being said, uh, if this was the trial by fire, let's probably to the point here in the trial, that's no knock on him. He's being asked to do something that is, you know, not something he came here to do, but one run first time out, two runs the second time out, three runs the third time out. I don't like the correlation there, so let's not try a fourth. Well, with Mikey Tepper and then Cam Tuller doing what they did, that probably kind of nullifies anything you're looking for foresight the rest of the way anyway. All right, Charlie, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit on the final word, kind of where State is right now, kind of going into the weekend against Missouri. And we're brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland produced right here in the state of Mississippi over in Itabina, Mississippi. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly find. You can find it at your local grocer with that black and blue label. It says Heartland on that label. And you can also get it at great restaurants throughout the southeast. And one of those great restaurants is Grumpy's Getaway. And I know you've probably never heard of Grumpy's Getaway. It's in Rosebud, Arkansas. Rosebud is about 30 minutes to the west of Searcy. It's about an hour, hour and a half north of Little Rock, but a lot of times we got a lot of people that go up to Greer's Ferry and Heber Springs and going up to the lakes in northern Arkansas. So stop by Grumpy's Getaway. They, it's unbelievable. It's almost like an oasis when it comes to, to good food. And sometimes you find those great places in those hard-to-get-to areas. But Grumpy's Getaway in Rosebud, Arkansas, is fantastic. And so if you're in northern Arkansas going on vacation this summer, make Grumpy's a part of your getaway plan. All right, Charlie and I will come back. We'll have a final word. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. And, Charlie, I guess uh, before we talk about Mississippi State this weekend, kind of the stretch run, what you're looking for over the last four weeks, I guess uh, a weekend off from town. But, uh, hey, it's like we always said, no matter if the dogs are in town or not, there's always something going on in Starkville. Yeah, one of the things they've got going on this weekend. Now, we always talk about this. This is the staple. It's one of my favorite things is the the Startable Market that they have over in the Fire Station Park, right over there across from uh, the developments on Russell Street, right over there by our friends at Bank First. That's a great thing to go. But they've also got this weekend Art in the Park. It's from 9 to 2 at the J.L. King Park. And it's it's one of these free kind of an arts education type event. And you know, normally they see 150, 200 kids and their families attend. So a great free event to get out and kids get a chance to do some chalk drawings, writing, painting, play some drums, all sorts of things. So art in the park at JL King Park this Saturday from 9 to 12. One of the things going on in Starkville. And hey, when you're done, plenty of good restaurants to hit up in town as well. Yeah, no doubt about the restaurants right around the corner now is graduation. And so if all the parents making their way to Startwell for graduation or families want to have the celebrations, maybe we want to go ahead and get those reservations in at the local restaurants because Startwell will be buzzing 
around graduation. And so go ahead and make those reservations at your local restaurants. And, of course, if you have any questions, go to startwell.org, and they can kind of help you plan out exactly what you want to do for your weekend getaway, your travel ball tournament if you're coming to Startwell, anything you need here in the city of Startwell. All right, Charlie, you look at where we are right now, RPI-wise, we're sitting at 81. We fell five spots this week in the RPI. One of the reasons is what your strength of schedule is and what other teams have done that you've played. We talked about this a little bit on the last show about Long Beach State not playing well. Of course, Northern Kentucky, we knew at the time. Our strength of schedule right now is 62. Our non-conference RPI is 170, so that's kind of what's denting us pretty hard right now. And so you say, hey, you're 8-10 and 10 in conference play, but your RPI is only 81. But the good thing is, here's the positive, is when you look over the last four weekends of SEC play, it's not like you're buried and dead in the water right now. Missouri at 41 in the RPI, Florida at 12, A&M at 18, Tennessee at 1. You have a chance to play yourself down into the 40s, a chance to get to 14, 15 SEC wins. And at the end of the day, if you can get to 14, 15 SEC wins and you can have an RPI of maybe even 50, you're probably getting into the NCAA tournament. Isn't it right now for us just about winning conference games? I get RPI and I get all that, but isn't it just finding a way to get to 500? Isn't the most immediate thing in the world is get up to Missouri, get a sweep, and and get home with a winning record in the league? Is there anything right now more important to us? Forget RPI, forget all those things. Isn't this just about conference wins? Well, the positive is, is one helps the other. I mean, because if you win, you know, if you get to 15 and 15 in the league, You've won enough to increase your RPI. So, I mean, it's almost like you're double dipping a little bit. So, But I agree with you. Right now, I mean, you start looking at the SEC, and you've got a chance to play yourself into one of the top three, four teams. Everybody's kind of jumbled in there, man. Other than, you know, other Arkansas hasn't run away with it. You know, we're not playing in the East this year where it's one team and that's it. Uh, we still have a chance to make up room and get, you know, in the top half of the SEC West. Yeah, if you do that, all of a sudden you're comfortable. Boy, it's really amazing, though, when you look at it. You hit on this a minute ago. The thing that has just whipped us in RPI this year is the non-conference record. And it goes back to the importance of beating some candidly bad teams and then having some of them play, play well. Right now, though, you mentioned this. Your RPIs from here on out in the league, 41, 12, 18, and 1. Now, you've got a midweek game against Samford at 182 that you play over in Hoover. You can live with that. We got May 17, North Alabama, Bart. Have you checked the long-range forecast for May 17? I think we can uh, we can gin up some rain between now and then. That's a ball game. If you win, you hurt yourself. Well, that may be the game that, hey, I can get us a rain out. <laughs> Hunter bucks says I can get us a rain out. Where's where are the sprinklers at? <laughs> where do we break in, Charlie? I mean, that's that's one where maybe they'll let us just like broadcast that one from the outfield or something. Well, that that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? You think now we would have one or two people mad if we did that? You know, there's a few purists who who think everything's you know got to be old school. But North Alabama, you think they'd cut us some slack? Maybe uh, go out to the lounge and do a broadcast. If Kyle Peterson can do a game in his pajamas from a loft. Shouldn't I be able to go from my left field lounge spot? 
let's beat the drum for it. Let's get that going right now. We want to broadcast the North Alabama game on May the 17th against an RPI 275. Let's make that thing interesting, and let's broadcast it from the left field lounge. I'm all about it. We could go to our spot. We go to my spot out there, and I don't know. I wonder if a, a broadcaster has ever heckled a center fielder during a broadcast. We might could have that. Probably would cross a line somewhere, but you know, you know, your daughter dares you with like words of the day and these secret words that you got to use. You know, maybe I could get somebody to dare me to heckle the outfielder, and I got some cover. Well, I'll say this: out of the two of us that will probably yell at an outfielder. I would not select you as the as the one to do it. There's another side. There's another side to this loquacious and humble personality, Bart. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of the humble personality, let's save all the good information for later in the week. We've got a Tracks Plus Deep Dig coming at you uh, later today, tomorrow. We'll talk about Mississippi State and the Missouri Tigers. Charlie enjoyed it as always. Once again, thanks to our great sponsors, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Tracks Plus with four locations, Hickory, Startwell, Summit, and then Alexandria, Louisiana. Our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Startwell, Mississippi's College Town. Make sure you go to startwell.org for setting up any of your getaways to Startwell in the next couple months. And then our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. And so, for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on the midweek of Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.